All right, this is Sean Zock across the table down in Pinehurst from Dylan to Chair, where the Top 100 Teachers Summit. This is the Drop Zone. Dylan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. We got nice weather today. We're at Pinehurst. I, I've spent a tiny bit of time here before, but not like this. Yeah. And this, this place is crazy. You're like, surrounded by golf down here. It's like here. Disneyland for golfers. And even better news the Drop Zone is now sponsored. Oh, hell yeah. By who? Sponsored by Whoop. Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop. It is a fitness tracker that is changing the way people track their fitness, sleep, and recovery to optimize performance. I've been wearing it for a week now. I love it. What it told me this morning, Sean, is that I did not get enough sleep. (laughs) I'm not at my maximum recovery mode, which means I'm not supposed to go all out today. Luckily, we're just hitting some golf balls. Yeah, so you won't have to go all out, but that's the cool thing is that it tells you when you should go to bed if you have a big day tomorrow. It tells you how much sleep you got tells you how much strain you had on your body. It's going to tell you the truth, Sean. It's not here to sugarcoat it. It's here to hit you with the facts. I know. I love it. So, Also, shout out to Beats. That's Beats by Dre. The headphones company, you definitely know about them. They sent a bunch of new Powerbeats Pro earbuds to a lot of people down at the summit. Everyone was stoked to receive them, including us. I know Dylan and myself both excited to use them on the next driving range session because when you live in a crazy city like New York City, you just kind of want to tune everyone else out. So I am ready to use them. All righty, fun show today. We've got Susie Whaley, president of the PGA of America. She's the first female to hold that position. Uh, we sat down with her here in Pinehurst. Very fun convo. I wish it didn't have to end. She had to go get lunch. But you can tell the, this lady is a hard worker. She has no days off. Hard worker, forward thinker. and Super forward. I mean, look, when, when people think of golf's governing bodies, you don't exactly think of, uh, I don't know, inventive, progressive, yeah. forward thinking. She's progressive. She is. Like when the game eventually gets to where it should be, when it gets to a healthier place, I think we will look back and see people like her that kind of helped usher it. So without any further nonsense from the two of us, let's go right to our combo with Susie Whaley. All right, we are here down at Pinehurst in the Teaching Academy mm-hmm. with Susie Whaley, the president of the PGA of America. But that's not your only job. No, it's not my only job. I'm also the director of instruction at uh, the Country Club at Mirasol in uh, Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. And that's where you're going tomorrow. I am. I'll be there first thing in the morning, 6.30, women's opening day. You got mm-hmm. in last night after midnight. I did. You're leaving tonight. You got lessons to give tomorrow. Yeah, it's you what we do. You have a crazy life. People well, must assume that you... Don't teach anymore, though. Now they that you've do. taken on this big job, but how much do you teach? Uh, every, I just was sharing that every day I'm not on the road for the PGA of America, I teach. So um, I don't, you know, I mean, a lot of us don't take days off, but I actually love to coach and uh, it gives me great joy to do it. So for me, it's my happy place. Yeah. Not to say the PGA of America is not my happy place, <laughs> but uh, I absolutely love it. It's my passion. And so going to work for me, I'm just blessed because I actually enjoy that. You mentioned it was your happy place. On the drive over here, you mentioned why kind of it is your happy place because you can bring something out of people. Yeah. Like tomorrow, you're going to be giving lessons. And I am. Someone's, well, someone's going to gain something from you, and it's going to make their day. Yeah, for me, it's, it's more, you know, I was so lucky. When I started coaching, I came off the LPGA tour. I had just had our first daughter. My husband and I have been married almost 28 years. He's a PGA professional as well. 
I had always worked since I was 14 in the golf business. And it was the first time I wasn't working because mm-hmm. I had this young daughter at home. And I was driving my husband insane because <laughs> I wasn't working. Right? He'd come home and I'd have like 5,000 questions. <laughs> at the time, he was working at Ibis Golf and Country Club in West Palm uh-huh. Beach, Florida. And at that time, Jim Flick and Bob Toski had their golf school there. And he came home one day and he said, you know, why don't you, why don't you try teaching? And I had a conversation with Jim Flick, and he welcomed you to come watch and see if it's something you might want to do. You know, look back on that now as a moment in time for me because I was trained by Jim Flick and Bob Toski, but alongside of them, who was working at the time, who were working at the time, was Martin Hall and Charlie Epps mm-hmm. and, and Laird Small and Dean Rymuth and I mean, I could go on and on, Mark and Kathy Wood and um, Mike Malaska, if I didn't already say his name. And so I, I'm around these amazing teachers of the game. Yeah, legends. Who became my mentors, who challenged me, who uh, I would say something and they'd say, well, that, that didn't write, you yeah. know? And I thought because I was a player uh, that I, you know, could help people with their games. And I realized very quickly from Jim Flick, Yes, uh, mechanics are important, uh, technical skills are important, but what Jim was so incredible about was it was always about the person in front of him and mm-hmm. the moment of time they were in front of him. And I've, I've always taken that to heart. So for yeah. me, on a lesson T, whether you're brand new, never have played the game, whether you're a tour player, uh, you have my full undivided attention, I'm your coach uh, in it with you, we're, we're partners. In this, it isn't a uh, transactional, I came for half an hour and, yeah. and good luck. Uh, I can't, you know, that bothers me to no extent when I hear that. Mm-hmm. Instead of, uh, you know, can't wait till we get together again. You're in it for the long uh, Here's our plan. Uh, let's help you reach your goal. Whether your goal is to get the ball in the air and not embarrass <laughs> yourself, which is okay. Or whether your goal is to lower your handicap uh, mm-hmm. by five shots. Or whether your goal is to play your first nine holes. Uh, for me, all of that, I find great joy yeah. in. Um, I'm just a really big golf nerd. So <laughs> so are we. Yeah. So being down here now at the summit, uh, what's it like being around all these teaching pros? Uh, yeah, you just you... gave a presentation. I did. I did. the future I did. of coaching. Right. Right. What we just did a presentation on the future of coaching at the PGA of America. We're excited uh, about what that holds and what we're going to do digitally for our members and how we're going to connect them to consumers in a more tangible way not only for our members, but for consumers mm-hmm. to be able to find uh, top-level coaches uh, near them, make it easier for them to find us, uh, make it a partnership, make it a relationship that they feel is something that they really own uh, based off ClassPass and Peloton yeah. and mm-hmm. things like on-demand learning where our coaches can work 24-7 when they're asleep. And you know that's important because as we have disruption in the golf business and in every business, as we've seen with you know, Lyft and Uber. I mean, we right. could go on and on about the disruption happening. Uh, Amazon, for example, and purchasing. That, too, is going to come into golf instruction. Yeah, and needs we need to. We need to be a leader around the world in that. So I we think did you're do, asking for more work. We do. I think yeah, you work we, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I do work a lot, but I love it. But uh, So that was exciting. But so many of the people that are here in the room are, are as passionate as I am about mm-hmm. coaching uh, and knowledge and knowing that, you know, when you – get involved at a certain level, you, you never could learn enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a huge learner. I love to hear from other instructors. I love to hear the Mark Brody went on after me and the yeah. data and statistics that, that he has. And I'm looking forward to hearing George right. uh, later today. And uh, because he's just this incredible phenom on, oh. on social media who has attracted the consumer in a way that all of us could learn from. And he does an amazing job as well. Yeah. Uh, his, you know, his students 
run the gamut from tour player uh, champions to to new players mm-hmm. and uh, and he, he does it in a style that's not traditional it's so and approachable it's progressive though. and like, approachable and and that's who we want to be the yeah. pga of america wants anyone who wants to play the game to feel welcome and invited yeah. to be a part of it and and we're serious about that is well, it hard to get everyone on board with i mean you talk about Lift and Peloton. Golf is not always the most progressive place. Really? You know, sometimes it lags a couple of decades behind the, the rest that. of the world. When, so, is it hard to get everyone on board with saying, "Oh, you know, we need to we need to keep pushing because there are these disruptors coming into the space"? Yeah, you know, I think golf is so much more than a game, right? And I think I love the traditions of the game. I love playing eighteen holes. I would. I, I'm the one who would play thirty six if I could yeah. every single day. Same. And so for me, I, I love uh, the fact that you tuck your shirt in and you wear your hat on forward. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that everybody is going to love that, and it doesn't mean that I'm not okay with the progressive nature of where we're coming. Uh, Top Golf has created an environment for the game that's incredible and is bringing people into the game, which is great. So I think we just as a group need to be accepting of, of what a golf experience is and what that means to those who are attaining it. So instead of us telling people how they're supposed to consume the sport. Mm-hmm. Let's let consumers decide yeah. how they want to consume the sport. And so for us, if you want to play 18, we have that. Mm-hmm. If you want to play three, we have that. If you want to have a putting experience with your grandchild on a putting green, that's a golf experience. If you want to go to Top Golf, that's golf experience. Uh, being a golfer doesn't mean that you have to be good at it, Yeah. right, to love it. And we have this perception out there where I'll ask people on planes or in my travels, they'll say things to me like, I'll say, oh, are you a golfer? Because they'll see uh, my logo and mm-hmm. ask me about the PG of America. And I'll say, oh, well, are you a golfer? And, yeah, oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm not a, a golfer. golfer. And I'll say, oh, you don't play? Oh, no, I play a lot. Uh, I play like, I'm like, what do you mean you're not a golfer? <laughs> yeah. sure. They'll say, well, I'm not good at it. And I always reply, well, I didn't ask you if you're good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I just asked you if you're a golfer. And mm-hmm. I think if we all together collectively decided that golf is more than just 18 holes and a score, yeah. that it builds amazing character in young people. It builds really fantastic community um, that people are seeking today, right? They're looking for ways that they can be a part of something. And we offer them that. We give them health and wellness. We give mm-hmm. them business opportunities on course. We give them friends and a social world they can be yeah. a part of. Um, it's so much more than a score yeah. that, you know, for me, the question was, you know, do I have, do we have pushback? You know, no, right now we are on a huge uptick. Uh, compensation for our members is up. Employment is up. I'm bullish on the game. And, and I think a lot of us are bullish on the game right now. When you look at the time and the money spent in golf and people say, well, I don't have enough time. You know, that's what we're trying to address. H- how can we give them this sport in a matter that they have mm-hmm the time for it, yeah. right? Money-wise, 70% of the courses across the country are public, mm-hmm. right? That's a, people think everything is, is private. private yeah. Look at private is fantastic if you have the opportunity. I have a 25-year-old daughter living in Boston, played Division One golf, loves the game. She's joining a club soon, nope, right? Neither. And, no. And, no one and, on this podcast is. No, but, yeah. but we have next-gen golf for her and city tours for her mm-hmm. coming out of the PGA of America where she can meet new friends mm-hmm. uh, through the city tour get out on golf courses that are public that she can afford yeah. uh, and be a part of um, and create a whole new social network uh, through the game. So there's many professionals that do understand, you know, far greater than we would believe disruption. 
because everything in our world right now is happening so quickly right. and getting disrupted. Changing quickly. And if we don't, we're going to be left behind. You mentioned uh, people seeing your logo on planes. Yeah. Made me think, are you the kind of person who talks to the people sitting next to you on planes? Because I <laughs> oh. am not. I put the earbuds in and I pass well, out. I have I, a prediction, actually, because... Susie is very personable. Yeah. But you're saying I'm not? Well, no, but I'm saying I used to be a plane talker until I actually started to travel. And now it's like, yeah. can't do it. So that I would expect that Susie would say the same thing that you used to, but now you travel too much to really talk to the person sitting next to you. Mm. You know, I have to be careful because I travel so much. I don't want anybody <laughs> want not approaching out? me that's right. to talk about golf because that's what we do, mm-hmm. right? I can tell you, though, I usually give it like 10 minutes in the first initial Ooh. sit down. Nice. Yeah, that's smart. Do a little like quick meet and greet out. chatter, um, <laughs> get it going, and then headsets on, yeah. right? Um, and I'm usually watching reruns of like right now I'm obsessed with watching reruns of 24 on Prime Video, oh. uh, which is amazing. But I, I literally Jack embarrassed Bauer. myself because last night, as a perfect example oh gosh I scared the living daylights of the guy next to me because (laughs) as something blew up that it was unexpected now how could that possibly be since this was a rerun I'd already seen this totally forgotten it I must have jumped four feet in the air and this poor man next to me I thought he he thought something was happening to the plane because I woke him up and oh my gosh it was embarrassing I'm like I'm sorry I'm just watching a rerun of 24 go back to sleep Uh, are are you a window or aisle person lately I gotta be honest I've always been a window yeah but Duh. lately, I'm becoming an aisle person. Why? Uh, I don't because you know what? I just want to get off. Yeah. <laughs> and but the only bummer about the aisle is the backpack hitting. You oh, know, as people gosh, walk by brutal. you. So I am super careful about my backpack because I just don't think people realize that you slam I'm people on the aisles the whole people. way down. Yeah. No, I mean we we ride the subway every day in New York, and so it's just sort of a part of your day to day life. It's just you're just going to get yeah. hit by a couple the backpacks in your day to work. She's a native New Yorker. Yeah, upstate New York though. That's right. Yeah, and then you spent a bunch of time in Connecticut. Yeah, we raised our children in Connecticut in a town called Farmington. My That's husband right. uh, worked for the tour there. He worked for the TPC River Highlands, and then just recently, full-time residents of Florida. Okay, so you brought up a talking point that you probably get asked about all the time, but a big part of your history and golf history was the 2003. Oh yeah, it's the Greater Hartford Open. Is that what it was? It called? was the Greater Hartford the GHO. Open. Yes. Yeah. So it's now called the Travelers Championship. I'm very curious about. Everything about that, and I'm sure people ask about it all the time, you qualified via winning the Connecticut State PGA. The Connecticut Section Championship, yes. yes. And then you had to play in a PGA Tour event. What were your goals and expectations going into that week? As a female, like, not many people have done this. The first since Babe. Right. Like, that's a very big deal. Were you freaked out? <laughs> well, let me give you a little back history. Uh, so when I qualified for the event, it was close to nine months before the event would actually occur. So, so I won the section championship. I went into the section championship off a good summer. I'd won the LPGA Teaching and Club Professional Division National Championship. So I was mm-hmm. playing well. I had played in our uh, first female to play in our PGA Club Professional Championship. So I, I had a strong summer that summer. And I went in confident, knowing there was an exemption, mm-hmm. but also never imagining they would give it to me. I mean, that's just the truth. My mom was caddying for me. She was my greatest, one of my greatest caddies. And, uh, and off we went, it was 36 the first day, 18 the second day. Uh, I played well the first two rounds and had a chance. And we pulled in the parking lot for the last day. And one of the gentlemen working for the section said, not flippantly, because that sounds negative. It was just in in questioning. Susie, what are you going to do if you win? (laughs) 
what if you get that exemption? And yeah. I laughed, and my mom laughed, and we said, yeah, right. Yeah. You remember, this is 2003. There's just no way that was even a consideration. Anyway, long story short, I end up winning. Um, we celebrate. What we don't celebrate, I sign my card, and no cell phones. Like, people forget wow. that, right? Yeah. So there's long yeah. cord coming out of the golf shop, right? <laughs> and somebody said, you did a phone call for you. And I'm like, I just finished signing my card. So I thought it was my husband who I was going to give a hard time to because he said he was going to come watch the last yeah, three holes. I was convinced he was yeah. calling me to tell me he was running late, right? <laughs> so I'm like, yes. And uh, he, the gentleman on the phone goes, this is so-and-so from the PGA Tour, and I need to know if you're going to accept the exemption. Immediately? I have yeah. to know that? Immediately. <laughs> on the so spot. I said something ridiculous like, can I think about it? <laughs> and he lengthy, lengthy, quiet pause. Okay. That's funny. But I said, okay. And so I hung up. We took a couple pictures with the trophy. My mom and I went to the new TJ Maxx that had just opened on the way home. I had kindergarten what orientation that night. One does. Yeah. Uh, so I had to get there because I didn't want the teacher to think I was a bad mom. So got home, went to kindergarten orientation. Wow. Uh, got done with that and came home and had a glass of wine with my husband and we cheersed it and went to bed. That was, that was like what we thought would be the end. And the next day, I had over 600 interview requests at work. I was a head, oh, I was a head wow. golf professional at a public golf course at the time. My husband was a general manager at TPC River Highlands, and he had over 300 requests that day from all over the world. And uh, I, 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 my favorite story of the whole time is I, I'm an avid People magazine reader, which is, is not, you know, I'm no mm-hmm. not super proud of that, but totally am, and I quote it, so <laughs> which drives my husband We used crazy. to sit next to them at work, so yeah, yeah uh, totally. And there you go, right? So... They call, so I think it's my husband playing a joke on me because we'd already had this many conversations throughout the day. I go, seriously, we are swamped here. I don't think you're funny. This is not the right time. The guy goes, "Uh, this is Chris from People Magazine. I was just looking for Susie Whaley. I'm like, hang on a second. I'm going to get her. (laughs) So I literally come back up and change my voice. I'm like, hi. (laughs) So that was my favorites. But ultimately, I didn't decide to play for three months. Um, We had very young children. I had a full-time job. As I said, I was probably working 110 hours a week. Uh, my husband was probably working the same. And I couldn't fathom uh, trying to take on the best male golfers in the world, nor would, what I really was thinking in my head was, gosh, I, that's not even respectful, right, to them. And then over time, it Wait, was... why not? Well, for me to pretend like I could beat them, right, in sure. this event with all that I had on my plate. But I came to the realization it wasn't – I'm incredibly competitive, <laughs> which is why that went through my head first, right? Okay. Uh-huh. Um, but for me, I came to the realization my daughter actually decided for me to play. Um, we were reading a bedtime story about taking opportunities and chances and being brave. And she literally looked up and said to me – and she was, she was nine at the time – and she said to me, um, well, then, Mom, why aren't you playing? Mm. And uh, I said, you That's know what? Amazing. I'm going to play. And I walked downstairs and I told my husband. This is after multiple times of saying to my husband, we're in, we're not we're in. Out. We're in, yeah. we're not in, right? And this time I said, you know what? We're in for real. And uh, wow. made a decision that day and then had an amazing staff and boss who gave me the opportunity to – I w- worked out three hours a day every day in the morning. started at 4 a.m. I had friends who took my children to school and doctor's appointments. Um uh, my employer let me practice and play, and my staff took up tons of my responsibilities. So it, well, I didn't do it alone, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. And, no one ever um, does. When I got to the actual day of the event, uh, I was I was ready. I was ready as I thought I could be. I was prepared. Uh, so you had to know the course really well. I knew the course really well. Uh, it was 7,000 yards, so obviously long for me. Uh, 6,989 yeah. at the time. Oh uh, I, I prayed for nine months that it wouldn't rain ever. 
prior to the event. So yeah. the course would be dry. It poured the entire week uh, before the event. And uh, so it was playing so that every bit of that. That didn't work. 6,989 yards. For me, yes. And, um, but that first tee was just a moment in time I don't think you'll ever forget. You know, you, you walk it through in your head over and over and over. Uh, the world is watching. 40,000 people on the course and millions worldwide. Um, And for me, the reason I did it was I wanted to showcase to my daughters that you do take chances. And Mm -hmm. you do, so long as you prepare the best you can, you can hold your head high when you walk away. And I felt that way. And then um, I also wanted them to understand that that women uh, could play golf anywhere in the world Mm -hmm. um, if they chose to. And so I wanted that to be a message. And I I also wanted to showcase to people that um, we're competitive. And uh, we're proud of our level of play, yeah. And that we work hard at it. And uh, I wanted to showcase that because I certainly wasn't out there representing the LPGA Tour. I wasn't an LPGA Tour member at the time. Okay. I was representing my peers mm-hmm. at the PGA of America, and I wanted to represent them well. I wanted to represent uh, club professionals who work really hard in the industry, but still want to have a very high level of yeah. performance. And, and that was really important to me because they gave me the opportunity. You sound very proud of that week in hindsight. Yeah, you know, 15 I am. Years later. Thankfully, I did it uh, yeah. because I look now to where I am today. And I absolutely believe that some of that um, preparation for me, it makes you step out of your comfort zone at other times as well. Okay. Right. So and so learned. for me, um, you know, I've always strived to do that. And I want to show other people, whether it's male or female, that, you know, sometimes when it's easy, um, that's that's fine. <laughs> sometimes it's just a little bit better when that's it's fine. a challenge. When you were on that first tee, I mean, on the one hand, you must have felt confident because you'd put so much time and prep work into it. On the other hand, I would be terrified, <laughs> especially because you'd put so much yeah. effort into it. Do you remember what you felt on the first tee? I do. I remember. So this is what's strange about it. So I only saw two faces out of the enormity of the crowd, Uh-oh. one of whom was uh, a young girl in my daughter's first grade class sitting in this little oh straw chair just underneath the ropes waving at me, oh gosh. which was an amazing Goose moment in time awesome. because it made me smile and giggle like, oh, my gosh, you know, that's who I see. And then Gary Reynolds, a PGA professional in Hartford, Connecticut, who's just a dear, cherished friend, but a consummate PGA professional. Um, and for me to eye spy him in the back, uh, it gave me great comfort uh, before I went. I was playing with uh, Anthony Painter, who promptly yanked it or yeah. whipped it OB. You beat him that day. I did. Uh, he whipped it OB on the off the first tee, which that's not, I don't want to see that for anybody, right. but I really don't want to see it before I have to oh, hit. Oh, yeah. And uh, Akio Sadakata, who I practiced his name for hours thinking I was going to mess it up, and he goes, yeah. yo, what's up? So <laughs> it was one of those moments that um, he made, you know, I appreciate the two of them so much. I've never really had an opportunity to thank them the way I should because – um, they certainly, for me, I'd walk up to a green and they would hang back when I was, you know, and I, I'm sure their focus couldn't have been what they would have liked it to have been that day. Um, but they made it, uh, they made it easy for me to enjoy it and, and to play well. So, All right, let's take a quick break, Sean, to talk to the people about Whoop. Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop, the fitness tracker that is changing the way people track their fitness, sleep, and recovery to optimize performance. Speaking of performance, my my sleep performance last night, 68%, six and a half hours of sleep. Uh, They said I needed 
nine hours and 37 because that, I, had a, I had a big day yesterday. You must have been a little behind on your sleep exactly. to begin with. But that's the kind of stuff it tells you, you know. Sean, we all want to find ways to improve our performance through sleeping better, training smarter, or being more mindful of how recovered our bodies are, whether that's bringing our best performance to the course, the office, or just our day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. That's the funny thing is that our day-to-day lives and our office work oftentimes mm-hmm. are on the golf course. That's right. Tell them how they can get involved. Oh my God, I'm so glad you asked, Sean, because Whoop has provided our listeners a 15% off offer for any Whoop membership. 15% off. And, Sean, a Whoop membership comes with the Whoop Strap 3.0 for free. I'm wearing mine right now. And you get access to the app based on the monthly plan you choose. So go to Whoop.com today and use the code DROPZONE to save 15% off a membership to unlock your performance and start optimizing the way you train, sleep, recover, the way you live, Sean. That's <laughs> that, whoop, W-H-O-O-P.com, and use the code DROPZONE to save 15%. D-R-O-P-Z-O-N-E, for any of you who struggle to spell drop zone. Drop zone. Back to Susie Whaley. The, the years that would come from that, that follow, you probably were a bit more of an idol than you maybe felt, like, mm. to... to Women nationwide to, to little girls going into the game. Have you been treated like that now, like in your PGA role, that you are a female idol for many, many women when it comes to golf? You know, I, I, I don't look at it that way. I always tell people when people always ask me, do you, do you care if we introduce you as the first female PGA president or would you rather just be introduced as the first as, as a PGA mm, president? Yeah. And uh, I always say, you know what, as a first, I'm totally okay with that because yeah. if it – allows others to see themselves in a role perhaps they would have never seen themselves in, then that makes me really proud. There's women that came before me that allowed me to be in this role, right? Women who opened the doors. There's men who opened the doors for me to be in this role. And I think you have to respect that Mm -hmm. and understand that. So it's an honor if somebody looks to me as a role model. Um, Certainly that is probably one of the highest accolades, in my opinion, that you can get from, from someone. Um, It's tricky when, like, in our shoes, we're preparing for an interview, and you are one of the most important women in the game. Oh, thank you. You are, though. I think you can understand, like, why I would say that. But also, you're one of the most important people in the game. And I think oftentimes, to your point earlier, when you get introduced as the first female— Right. It's kind of like, well, she is the damn president. Like, <laughs> let's not forget of like the role that she's in. Right. She's better than everybody else. She's not like just the female that's that's in that role. It's it's, it's yeah. A I mean, we're you know, I think for us, uh, anything you do is going to be done. At least the way I look at it, as a leader, my role is to empower others to be successful, irregardless of gender background. Uh, but if I can help somebody and bring them along with me, um, train them, mentor them, sponsor them, support them, advocate for them teach them um, like I do on the golf course, um, then I'm super proud of that. I think, though, we also do this together as an entity, Mm -hmm. right? And we were unified in voice uh, amongst all PGA professionals because I ran because I felt like I was a qualified PGA professional. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really proud of that. My body of work, I think, substantiated the effort to have me run. Mm-hmm. Winning was amazing, don't get me wrong, but I would still be involved if I didn't win. Yeah. I mean, I, I love what I do, and it's important, the work we're doing, and we need leaders to step up and engage and be a part of it. And so if I can share that and get other people to step up, then that, for me, is a successful day. How about for, uh, I mean, you know, even walking around Pinehurst today, you can see there's all different types of people, but certainly there are more men than women here. <laughs> 
more older people. Than there are two <laughs> two men hosting this podcast right now. Yeah. What can we do and other people like us, other men in golf, to help get more women and girls involved? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's all about the language, right, and the invitation. I think women need to feel a part of it in a tangible way, not just because it's the right thing to do. I think they love being outside just as much as you do. I think women love the challenge that mm-hmm. golf inherently has for all of us, whether they're brand new to it or whether they're a really good athlete and have done other things really well. I think sometimes we make this differentiation between genders instead of let's just talk about golf, right? Let's just talk about the things that we all love about the game. And I promise you, maybe they're a little different right? Between a male and a female, Um, but probably not that much, right? Um, We love to be with our girlfriends on the golf course, right? Uh, You hear about the guy trips, right? Well, I'm I'm hosting an all-women's trip. Where are you going? Uh, We're going to Casa de Campo in the Dominican in the beginning of December. You know, and, and I'll get crushed for Just this. Just four but of you or how many? No guys are invited. Right? So at the end of the day, I'm not being inclusive. So I apologize to the world that's <laughs> listening to me. Um, but, you know, we, we enjoy that. And we play, you can play 18 or 36 every day if you want. And you can just play nine. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we have to get away from this um, gender uh, bias in the game. For instance, uh, the tees, right? We're always mm-hmm. talking about forward tees versus the back tees. And there's just so many people in the world who would have so much more fun if they moved up. Yeah. Right? Oh, and yeah. it's just this stigma that's th- this tradition um, that makes no sense in reality. Right? So if your club head speed is X, um, you're going to have a whole lot better time if you actually can reach a green in regulation than if you're struggling the entire day to get mm-hmm. to the green in regulation. So just move up. But what we have to accomplish in the game is kind of a new set of, of, of mores and norms yeah. where let's talk about the scorecard for a second. So the scorecard typically has, you know, the four back tees at the top yep. and the two forward tees at the bottom. Right? Why is that? I could not tell you. Why aren't they all together? I have no idea. Mm. It is a divider, though. Does that go back to the men's tees and women's tees? What do you think? Right? So yeah. so who is going to go to the forwards mm. if it's below yeah. on the card? It's, Why don't we just have every tee box at the top and then choose the tee where you want to play? It right? seems like this. I've never thought that. of this before, Sean, Simple but I like it. that we would never... Right, but we would never look at. Would there be a stigma about that then? Yeah. You know, for those, especially those generations that are learning the game now, there would be no, there would be no differentiation. It's just okay. Well, I'm going to play the golds today, and you're, yeah. gonna, and I might play the greens, and somebody else might play the reds. But there's not a forward, back, so weird. women, male. Yeah. yeah. But that small little token is the first thing women see when they see a scorecard. Mm-hmm. We're on the bottom. Yeah. And you're on the top. And there's something right? learned about Which that, Which is not too. great. I mean, I grew up, you know, I grew up playing the red tees for, you know, and then eventually you started to hit the ball further, and then you move back. There's the white tees and the blue, But you're kind of told is, to, but, like, to but, have the aspiration of going back there yeah, yeah. far before it even makes sense for you. Well, yeah, that's probably true. But Tiger played from the forward tees for a long time, I think. Yeah. Learned how to make birdies. That's how you make birdies, right? And, and then why, yeah. why we all talk about having par three courses and building them. Mm-hmm. Um, what's fascinating to me is every golf course could be a par three course. Every single one we currently have. Yeah. Right? Have so let's, I know it's costly. Put things in different but places. But let's put tees and make every course a par three. Hmm. Right? And then you get to choose whether you want to play it full as a, course a full course, course or a par three that day. So we have, we already have the, um, 
the holes developed. <laughs> we have 15,000 golf courses around the country that every one of them could have a par three on every hole. This is why she is leading the PGA of America. Right. right now. This yeah. type of like, it is far too simple of thinking, but it's in place waiting for us to take advantage it of it. It is. And you talk about like oh, senior women's tees, and this is the last I'll go on about this, but so women typically start at the most forward tee. Mm-hmm. That's just mo- in generaliz- generalizing. The most forward tee, right? So let's say they start the game at 22 years old, mm-hmm. right? As they, or 30 or 40. It doesn't matter how old they are when they start. Or nine. And let's say a male starts at the same time. They, they may start from, let's say, a green tee. Yeah. Right? So that particular player may move back as they get better. So may the female, right? But ultimately, there's no place for most women to ever move up. So they live and die mm-hmm. on the same tee, whereas men in the game can start from the very far back and move up almost six tee boxes as they age. Right. Yeah. And then we don't lose them. We retain them because they're still enjoying the game. But we're, our expectation as a woman who starts on the forward tee is supposed to stay there. Forever. For the next 55 years right. of her game or 60 years of her game. How is that yeah. equitable at all? Makes me think of my grandma who stopped, <laughs> stopped playing, honestly. See? She stopped playing because you, you, it was never going to expect her to play until she was 80 years old. But she was playing at 70. But why not? You know? Why couldn't she play yeah. at 80? No, you're right. right. Like, and enjoy it. And uh, so, you know, I just hope that courses and facilities, while I do realize, and I'm not being Pollyanna, there's an expense to building tea boxes. Sure. And I understand that. If we can understand inherently the social dynamic of retention and of enjoyment and kind of take a look at some of our traditions that perhaps were there just because, but not really because they make a whole lot of sense, right. <laughs> um, I, I think that we'll, we would inherently make changes. We could even have on scorecards double par, yeah, right, for the new player and par mm-hmm. for the player who's aspiring to do make pars. Um, but as you learn the game, if you see three, four, five, three, four, five, three, four, five, and you go nine, ten, eight, nine, ten, yeah. eight, you pretty much think you stink. Yeah. Right? When yeah. in fact, not you just don't have it yet. Yeah, you're you know, you're you're learning something. how to get there. And then if you put okay, well your par on a par three is a six. And when we can reach double par on every hole, right? Mm-hmm. Then we're really making some progress. Yeah. So let's just go for that. Different accomplishments. Yeah. And it gives par people a, a sense of success. Par is a lofty goal for, I mean, what, Me? what percent of <laughs> golfers shoot actually under par? It's not a no. high percentage. No. I actually don't know that stat. So it's kind of it's a single digit percentages. It's so tiny. It's stupid, but. But we have a, we have a lot of things that we could do mm-hmm. to invite so many more people to play the game in a way that um, makes them feel included. And, and that's where we need to get to because we, the game, we have 26 million people playing it right now. We have 25 million people in, in, the, in the world or even in the United States that have some sort of um, disability who want to play the game, who we've talked about wanting to play the game. We have, so, we have 43 million people who have participated at Top Golf. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we get them wow. on golf courses? Um, we, there's just so much opportunity in the game, and, and PJ professionals are here to lead it. And makes, we feel like we're the gold standard to do that. Yeah. This conversation makes me want to see what a Susie Whaley-designed golf course would look like. <laughs> I know. Like, seriously, yeah. like yeah. options everywhere. Well, you know, Bo Welling is uh, designing one of our 18-hole courses at our new home, PGA Frisco, 
which is yeah, our new yeah, headquarters. Yeah. And Gil Hans is doing the championship course, and Bo Welling is doing the uh, other 18 holes. And the things he's putting on that golf course are just amazing. Awesome. To, it will, it, you'll, if you're a championship golfer, you will have the experience that you want. And if you're a brand new golfer, you're going to have the experience you want. So I'm so excited to see the plans and shape. It's just outside of Dallas, okay. Texas. And uh, I can't wait to, to go out there and play that golf course and uh, get a feel for his vision because it's, it, he's going to disrupt uh, the Sweet. industry with this golf course. That's and awesome. It'll be exciting. What uh, before we let you go, I need to know where your current game is at because you played in the the women's senior open at Chicago Club. I did, which is awesome. <sighs> I missed the cut by one. I know, mm. I saw that. So bad. Ugh. My last day was so bad. I missed like I walked I up all the, my the juniors. Literally, I said to the I say them all the time, "Okay, take your time. Like just yeah. not." And, and I'm not advocating slow play, but on those little <laughs> tap ins, like get set so that you can tap it in. Oh right? no! You I did. walk right up and totally I like missed like a. Six incher. And oh, I looked no. down I'm like on the last not on the last no, hole. Thank okay. on the last hole. But it was just I obviously I'm still upset about it. That was two years ago. So yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, um I wanted to play this year, but it was the same time the qualification for it was the same time as the PJ championship. So oh. is that be the case yeah. every year? No, I think this year okay. I think I'm good and uh, I will try to qualify if I have the day free. Mm-hmm. I still love to play competitive golf. Recently, last week, we played PJ Golf Club, which PJ of America uh, owns and operates with our whole delegation uh, that was at the PJ annual meeting. And, and that was great fun. I actually played well, which was exciting. Nice. Uh, yeah, I shot a little 71. I Ooh, was proud of that. No big deal. And uh, yeah, and that was with a double. So that, that was good. Uh, but it's not always that way. Nope. No. But I try to play golf as much as I possibly can. My clubs go with me pretty much everywhere, um, even if it's just hitting. You don't get balls. tired lugging those things around because I do. And I carry a really small bag now uh, okay, when I travel, and I have very little in it. So if it rains, yeah, I'm definitely getting wet. <laughs> <laughs> no umbrella, no anything else. But uh, it's really important to us. It's important to our board. It's important to our officers um, that we are showcasing and role modeling playing the game. Yeah, and you know we want more people to play the game, and I wear a logo that says professional golfer on it. The expectation and responsibility is that I play uh, professional golf. So I, I feel that way about all of our members. I say that pretty much at every meeting mm-hmm. I get to. I tell them play more golf. The reason why you're in the business is at one time you absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, and when you get out of the habit of it, it's not a priority. It's not that you don't have time for it. Yeah. I tell people all the time, priority. it's just you haven't made it a priority. Um, and our PGA professionals are playing more golf, and, and that's really exciting because uh, that's what brings most of us. I can't speak for yeah. all PGA professionals, but it makes me happy. Yeah. Um, I, I don't love making doubles, but I get over, <laughs> right. it, I get over it pretty quick. <laughs> it's the chase, though, of making better than doubles. Yeah, you got to make birdie on the next, right? The PGA Championship, I did just want to ask you briefly about the move to May. How's it going? Yeah. What are your thoughts? Move to May is great. We actually just asked that question to Jay Monahan at the annual meeting. I did a little uh, panel with uh, Jay and Mike Wan and Seth Waugh, our CEO. And one of our questions was, we think it's going great. <laughs> that was my Uh-oh. question. Hopefully Jay does and, too. <laughs> uh, Jay, how do you feel about it? And how do your players feel about it? And, and they were just as excited about it. The players like the cadence. Of course, you know, I'm generalizing again. But sure. um, the yes. players like the cadence will, of the but. schedule. <laughs> and for us, it was really important for our members. One of the primary reasons we moved to May is 80% of our membership seasons start in May. And it gave us the opportunity to promote programming to consumers mm. that was just going to be coming out, correct, other than in season. August. Um, August, we were always jumped around with the Olympics and football. 
so that made it difficult. And we had weather concerns at six of the last seven uh, based on thunderstorms no, yeah. and uh, high levels of heat. So May has, has been great. Beth Page was a little, little scary. We were hoping, right. I, growing up in upstate New York, I knew oh, we could be I'm, really cold. <laughs> I'm from Wisconsin, and I love when the PGA goes to whistling, and I just uh, don't know if it's going to happen anymore. I Ooh. know. Well, well we're, we're coming out there uh, in the near future for a little big event. Okay. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> in the near future, as in so this, we gave you a this September. <laughs> I know, I know. The Midwest I just, has been treated all right yeah, by the, uh, really well. the Ryder Cups. Exactly what. So we have just a small little event <laughs> happening, uh, you know, next year. People and, are hyped. Oh, my gosh. Whistling Straits is going to be amazing. I will say, my some of my friends were a little bit upset by the, the ticket scenario. Yes. Which is just We made like, that right. I know. Okay. <laughs> they... they <laughs> That was that was a couple of days where they're like, "Are you kidding me?" I'm like, "I, I can't. got those same notes." Yeah, on I'm, Twitter, a little bit more than me. Instagram, <laughs> email. Oh phone. <laughs> my gosh, I bet. Thank everyone. Thank you all for for writing me. I appreciate those correspondences. <laughs> but at the end of the day, what's really exciting, um, you know, and and we're thrilled about is the demand. Yeah. And like the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, people are going to like this answer. Not everybody's going to get a ticket. Yeah. Whistling Straits is is not Hazeltine. There's no. not expansive space there. Um, but we're going to try to set up, you know, tailgate cool places to be and uh, where you can be a community and cheer on uh, Team USA together. And, um, you know, we're going to do everything we can to mm -hmm. make sure anybody that wants to enjoy the experience has a chance to, if not in person, uh, at some other venue where they can really enjoy it. But Steve Stricker is going to be an amazing captain. Uh, from there, yeah. which, so he's Strip. got the hometown crowd behind him, and um, you know I, I say that loosely because at any Ryder Cup, you know yeah. anybody that lives in the United States yeah. who's rooting for is the United States is crowd. the hometown crowd. Uh, but for Steve, especially, I think it's special, and uh, I'm just excited. I'm excited to to get there, and um, we will see you there. And for yeah, Sean, and it, it, for back. Sean, it's also equally special to watch Steve Stricker in his homeland. Yeah, man. I bet I grew up just you know an hour and a half north of there, so. I sit at work in between Sean, who's from Wisconsin, and Josh, who's from Minnesota. So it's just, a, it's like being oh, yeah. in the Big Ten. It's the yeah. all sports, you know, quandary. <laughs> That's right, right, the Midwest. But no, it's great. Um, your PGA champion, Brooks Kepka. Mm hmm. Do you gain any secret insights into Brooks? He's kind of a tough nut to crack. Uh, any um, insights into Brooks? Yeah. Uh, He's just really good. <laughs> you know? I mean, I think that you just have to admire anybody who gets the type of performance out of their game that he does in majors. Yeah. Um, I've been fortunate to play in seven majors, n never in, never to the level of, of anything to do with Brooks Kepka, But just to make a cut in a major is what my point is, mm -hmm. is incredible uh, because the conditions are every week, week in, week out on the PGA Tour um, are incredibly difficult. Same with the LPGA Tour. Major championships go up a notch. And what consumers may not understand is how much more difficult a major championship setup is, including yeah. pin placements, uh, including uh, Kerry Haig is the best in the business. Yeah, uh, it really is. Chief, our chief championships officer. It's just a different level of skill necessary to win a major championship. That certainly doesn't mean those that have won tour events aren't skillful. Of course they are. Mm -hmm. But to have that kind of pedigree over the last two years and majors, I, it, I, don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just yeah. that it's good. It's even longer than that. I mean, I was just looking. He's got 
24 major starts, and he's top 10 in 12 of them, so half. Yeah. Sean's been deep in the numbers on this. Yeah, yeah. no, but I like that. That's yeah. good. That's the good to know. <laughs> and uh, and, and you, in history, you'll see there are people who actually really come to the party for majors, and um, he just seems to be one of them yeah. and and loves it. You know, I, I've, I, I don't pretend to know Brooks very well personally, but I've had an opportunity to sit with him at our champions dinner. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, super nice guy who cares about the game. And uh, but really, really wants to win and doesn't make any bones about it. No, he doesn't. Well, we need to get you to lunch. Ah. I'd love to talk to you for another hour and a half. <laughs> we got to get you to lunch. Thank you, Susie. Yeah, you bet. My pleasure to be here with you and uh, anytime. All right. Major thanks to Susie Whaley for joining us. Damn, we could have kept on going for like an hour, another 45 minutes have. at least. Um, like, like we said earlier, a very progressive person. She's helping usher the game in the right direction. At least that's what it seems. Um, that is it for the Drop Zone today. Remember, this episode was brought to you by Whoop. Whoop. W-H-O-O-P. It is a fitness tracker. And if you like listening to our show, you would probably like it. We're going to be dialing in our fitness via the tracker. I'm going to be trying to get some recovery tonight, Sean. (laughs) Although I don't know, things can get a little late night wacky at Pinehurst. It's true. But if you want a 15% discount, you go to whoop.com, type in drop zone, D-R-O-P-Z-O-N-E. That's it for us this week. We'll be back here next week with George Gankis. You will want to dial into that episode. Very fun conversation. See you next week.